Welcome to Confixless Corner. I'm Seth Bird. It's been a while since we've had an episode. I know it's been sort of a big planting break for everybody, but there's a lot going on now with cotton basically across the belt, planted a lot of different situations. I guess there's some interesting issues being faced right now in different areas. And that's what we're going to talk about today is just sort of an early season update on issues being faced. And a lot of it seems to be around emergency issues, plant growth regulator decisions, and maybe some fertility, but we'll start as always with our introductions. I'll tell you what, we'll start in North Carolina. Hey, I'm Guy Collins, cotton specialist in North Carolina and NC State University. Thanks, Guy. I'm glad you could join us. I'll move over to Tennessee. Hey, this is Tyson Raper, the cotton specialist in Jackson for the University of Tennessee. Thanks, Tyson. And we'll end there in Missouri. Yeah, this is Bradley Wilson, cotton specialist out of Portersville, Missouri. Thanks, Bradley. And we'll just stay there in Missouri. This is sort of one of those episodes that kind of came out of a discussion that I think most of this group has had maybe with each other individually. And it seemed to warrant maybe this topic being covered. So let's start there, Bradley, with you. What's sort of your current outlook or conditions and what issues are you looking at right now in the field? Yeah, I mean, so I can, you know, talk about some of the early season issues we had, you know, for a large part of our May, we had adverse conditions in terms of cloudy conditions and cool and wet conditions. Over the past two weeks, that has really turned around for us with some of this hot weather that has moved in. We've had temperatures in the hundreds, upper 90s, as well as overnight highs, you know, in the 80s and things like that. So cotton has started to turn around, but we had a lot of issues with sandblasting this year. There was several replants that have gone on. So there's a wide range of maturity across the boot hill of Missouri from, you know, several folks I've talked to from one true leaf up to eight or nine node cotton where we're squaring. So, you know, picks management has been a very big topic of discussion here so far, as well as watering and nitrogen use. Yeah, Tennessee's in exactly the same boat. We started May kind of hot and dry, and then it quickly became very, very wet and cool. And the intensity of the rainfall events, it's hard to understand. I mean, catching two and three, four inches of rain in an event. So since I arrived, this has been by far the most replant the state's had. It feels at times like that's close to 15%. It may not be that high, but the trouble here, we've got a late crop, generally speaking. In the areas that we're able to plant early, you know, parts of those fields have likely been touched up. So I've got some cotyledon cotton adjacent cotton that's probably squaring at the moment. So large gradient there in maturity. Guy, what are things like in North Carolina? Not all that much different than what you guys are experiencing. We had some highly variable weather, I will say. We started planting in late April this year. We had a good stretch of decent temperatures during that time. And throughout our planting window, which is essentially the month of May, we had ups and downs with warm temperatures, cool temperatures, dry times, a little bit of rainfall here and there in spots. We had some abnormally hot days in May periodically, getting 
the 96, 97 degrees during the day, which is odd for us in May, as well as in early June. I mean, it's, it's been an abnormally hot early June for us. We've been steadily getting drier and drier. And, you know, it doesn't take long once you get into the 90s to dry out. We're never more than four or five days away from a serious drought. And some parts of the state are experiencing that right now. Recently, I'll say within the last 10 days, we've had some spotty rainfall, enough to kind of keep the crop going in places that were lucky enough to get it. In other places, they didn't get hardly any or none. And you can certainly tell it. And I think right now, cotton is okay. We've got cotton ranging from cotyledon, one or two true leaves, all the way up to nine and 10 leaves at this point. Replants were fairly normal. I would say 10 to 15% of the total cotton acres was replanted. And that's not necessarily alarming, but similar to what you guys have described, we've got Four and five true leaf cotton right next to cotyledon cotton, you know, we'll have variable growth stages in the same field. And personally, I don't get too alarmed at that because just the nature of our field variation that we have in a normal year, assuming it all was planted the same day and comes up the same day, we'll have two weeks difference in maturity in any given field anyway. But, you know, this time of year when we're talking about those early PGR decisions, that certainly could come into play. So let's start back on that a little bit, because I think all three of you mentioned having various growth stages or maybe maturities in the same field. And it's funny, I think we did a replant episode last year, and this came up a lot there too, but it's different every year and it seems to come up. So in the situation that y'all are in now, and obviously you're three different states, probably three different growing environments or maybe management practices, in the situations where you've got various growth stages due to replants or just varying emergence in the same field. What is your recommendations this year in 2022 with the forecast you're looking at on PGR decisions moving forward? And Tyson, we can start with you in the middle there and then work out. Right now with the forecast that I've got, I'm hesitant to make the applications that we've kind of grown used to over the past several years. It really goes back to Delta Pine 1646 from a couple of years ago. We started planting a considerable number of our acres to that variety which requires very aggressive plant growth regulator management in excess at times of an ounce per node this time of year. So that's a very aggressive application when there is not any rainfall at all in the forecast. It also feels like a very aggressive application when I've got very, very young cotton adjacent squaring cotton. So my recommendation at this point has been honestly to wait. If you've got squaring cotton that doesn't have, you know, it's not of mixed maturity, maybe you want to go with a very low rate. But until I start to see those internodes elongate, in particular that internode between the fourth and fifth node, I do not feel good with an aggressive application. The other thing that I've noticed, a lot of the varieties that we're planting right now don't require the same level of aggressive management that Delta Pine 1646 required. And if we make that really heavy hand application, 12 or 16 ounces right now, we may lock that plant up indefinitely. We may not grow back out of it, especially with the forecast. Over the past several years, we've been conditioned to almost once a week collect an inch of rain. You know, I really want to hear Guy and Bradley, both of your insight there. Also, Seth, in your arid environment, 
how do you approach management when rainfall is really not out there? I'll say for me, you know, I'm kind of similar to what you said, Tyson, with the forecast that we've dealt with so far. I have been very hesitant to go out there and say, hey, let's start, you know, making these applications of picks just due to, you know, we started off really slow. I've seen some cotton that, you know, within that four and five internode is, I mean, they're still stacked up. And so, you know, without having rain in the forecast, now I'll say, you know, we have a lot more irrigation than what you guys have mentioned. And so that's getting ready to happen here this week if it has not already started. So I tend to see some guys that are going to go out with those applications along with their irrigation. Now, again, what you said, and we talked about this a couple of days ago, and I kind of like the theory was, you know, managing for what you have a majority of in the field in terms of if you've got, you know, 80% square in cotton versus 20% four leaf cotton, you may want to manage that 80% of that field. And, you know, that's a tough decision to make, but, you know, that's some of the questions that we're getting so far. And so, you know, we do have guys that are starting to go out with picks. Now, I've just, for me, I've been hesitant here on this farm to make those applications just due to some of our early season conditions. Bradley, you made some really good points there. I'll say in North Carolina, anytime I approach a PGR decision, I try to consider some things that may not be at the forefront of most growers' minds. Naturally, everybody wants to talk about height, height to node ratio, the internode length, nodes above white bloom if it's blooming, things of that nature. But the first three things I usually ask is, what's the field history? I don't think we give enough credit to field history when considering how cotton is likely to grow. If it's got tendency to grow pretty rank in fields, and that's good to know for me to advise a grower. The variety tendencies, characteristics about a variety, whether it's early or late or tends to be a growthy type variety or what have you, all that, in my opinion, plays an important role. And then lastly, planting date, I think is also very important. We're more likely to see a positive response to PGR treatment in late planted cotton, especially if we have a wet year. Now, with all that said, I'm very hesitant to advise a pre-bloom application either in its entirety or if so, I generally encourage lower rates simply because of my earlier comment. We're largely dry land producers here and we're very sandy ground in most places and we're never more than four or five days away from a serious drought. So when you look at the weather forecast, whether we mean it or not, when we make a PGR decision or the decision to treat, we're assuming that one growth is vigorous at the moment and will likely continue to be for the next couple of weeks. So that weather forecast is very, very critical. But given how we've been so dry up until this point this spring in a lot of places and the chances of rain in the forecast, they're there, but they're fairly low. And, you know, historically so far this year, when we get a 30, 40% chance of rain, it's very, very spotty, assuming we even get any. So again, I kind of lean away from a treatment right now in North Carolina. We need to be stacking those and developing those and letting the plant grow. Now, some of our square and cotton that's recently been side-dressed 
if we start getting in a good pattern of rainfall, then I might start advising a treatment at that point, depending on those other factors like variety growth characteristics and planting date and things of that nature. But in a perfect world, I would treat every acre at first bloom. We don't live in a perfect world, so sometimes we have to make a pre-bloom application. But where we see yield reductions associated to PGR treatment in North Carolina is almost always associated with a pre-bloom application if it turns off, you know, fairly hot and dry after the fact. Okay. I'm just going to toss one back and toss I'm not dodging your question, but everything that y'all said, I'm curious now. So let's just say hypothetically you're in a situation where maybe it's more 60-40 or 50-50 in your field as far as two different growth stages. There's not one that's just extremely dominant. We have a lot of folks that make applications around maybe match head square, and there'll be a lower shot, you know, maybe up to eight ounces depending on forecast and if they're irrigated or not. But if you're in a situation where the split in the field is a little more even, do you recommend maybe backing off on your rates? Do you recommend maybe waiting until, you know, further into square or even first bloom? I know forecast is going to play a role, but what's your kind of go-to method for giving advice in that situation? In Tennessee, we're very stable across a wide range of plant height when it comes to yield. So it doesn't matter if that plant is 30 inches tall or 80 inches tall, the yield potential of that plant is pretty similar. Now, there's a lot of management issues when we get tall cotton, rank cotton, and I would much rather have it fall you know, chest high. The one area where we do start to see some real yield penalties is when we're on those extremes, when we're really short or we're really tall. And if I'm making an aggressive application to four, six true leaf cotton, I'm probably going to put that plant at the end of the year in that sub 32 inch category. So that's a long answer for, you know, a pretty simple question. But if I'm at that 60, 40, or even 70, 30 split, where that 30% of the farms, you know, considerably younger, I'm hesitant. I mean, I'm going to delay that application. And maybe, you know, even though the majority of the field is a little bit bigger, I'm going to hold off a little bit to make sure that I'm not going to hurt the yield of that potentially smaller percentage area of the field. Now, as soon as we get up in height, as soon as we get to that flower time frame, I'm not worried anymore. But, you know, really, really young cotton, I don't want to overwhelm that plant and really, really limit plant growth. I tend to agree with Tyson on a lot of those points. Especially right now, we got some really small cotton. It's fairly equal proportions with some taller cotton. I go back to my previous comment. I'm not in any major hurry to make a pre-bloom application. My tendency is to just back off, let that younger cotton grow a little bit. Now, once we get closer to first bloom or at first bloom and your taller cotton is really starting to grow and your shorter cotton is coming along and catching up to it. I'm more tempted to advise a PGR application then. But right now and for the foreseeable future, I would advise most growers to just wait and back off a little bit. I agree with both of those answers for sure. You know, at some times there's points where, you know, maybe the grower's like, hey, I'm going to make this application. And, you know, maybe I disagree with, or don't recommend, and maybe, you know, just like Tyson and Guy said about holding off, if a grower is going to make that application, 
you know, my thoughts are if you're going to run across that four or five leaf cotton and you plan on making those applications, I would drop my rate as much as I can. We have some growers up here that are very aggressive with their picks applications, and that's just the way they've done it or how they manage their farm. So I see both sides of that answer where, hey, yes, I think, you know, we should wait to give that cotton some more time where it's let it get its growth and where it's able to start its reproductive side. But in the same instance, if these growers believe that, hey, I need to get picks on this cotton right here right now, you know, if you got to do that, I would do my best if that's possible to drop your rate so you don't, I guess, be as detrimental with a high rate of picks on four or five leaf cotton. So those are just, I mean, some of my thoughts on that. Yeah, so I guess I'll finally answer the question. Obviously, I'm in a different situation than you guys. We catch a lot less rainfall and it's a lot less predictable. I guess my struggle has always been with any kind of picks application is, you know, if you're putting a pine out, you're probably paying more to apply it than for the product. And so we really want to make sure that the application is going to provide us value. We have very typically, I don't want to say every year, but we typically have very high fruit retention compared to other areas of belt due to, you know, a couple of things. Generally, we have a little bit cooler nighttime temps and we don't have the pest pressure. So we have a lot more natural growth regulation that occurs for us because of the square and fruit retention that we have. Irrigated, it's a much more common part of a program. We're on limited irrigation across all our acres. So it's maybe not as aggressive in a lot of years. But if we have years like 2020, in some cases, or 2021, where we catch a lot of rainfall in some areas, you may need to be a little more aggressive with the picks. But I'd say in general, a lot of producers will start in mid-squaring. I personally like to wait the first bloom just to kind of give myself an idea of how much growth potential I have once we get into flowering and look at also my fruit retention. On our dryland side of things, I don't say it doesn't ever happen. Again, in wet years, you'll see maybe the need for a PGR. And again, a lot of our dryland cotton is stripped. And so it's not just we're trying to regulate growth to get it picked. We're not trying to regulate growth to get it stripped, which requires a little bit more growth regulation. And I've had producers before that I do trials with that are dryland that would always strip. And in wetter years, they'll call a picker in to come pick it just because the plant stature is a little more conducive to a picker instead of a stripper. So I'd say for us, it's not, you know, we just write it in the calendar and know we're going to spray picks every year. And we know what our plan is. Because of our environment, the rainfall plus limited irrigation and our fruit retention, it's a much more dynamic, you know, sort of decision that has been made year in, year out on picks. And the other situation I guess we get in sometimes, and it depends on, again, environment and rainfall when it occurs, but we'll have some rescue shots go out where we're trying to get the plants to stop. I mean, we just need them to stop and try to, you know, mature the bowls we have. And you all know, probably as well as I do, that. Those rescue shots are really hard when you don't have a standard program in season. So my first application to picks is like a 24-ounce shot, the fifth week of bloom. I'm asking a lot. I'm going to need a lot of help with that. Whereas, you know, that kind of comes back into where you have that program in place where maybe you're going out and squaring or first bloom and you're, you know, you're going to look every two weeks for the option to spray. That'll help that end of season, you know, slow down. But, you know, if we knew what was going to happen when we planted or we knew what was going to happen when we started spraying picks, it'd be a whole lot easier to do it at the end of the season. We just don't always know. So like y'all have all covered pretty well, it's a tough decision. It's definitely a moving target for us. Well, too, Seth, I mean, to what you said, the environment, you know, for our growers here in Missouri, I think 
they are aggressive on their picks management due to we have irrigation. You know, it's common to have high humidity here, and especially when we get late in the season to get some of those rainfalls. So we're worried about, you know, diseases throughout the plant, bacterial blight, bolt rots, and things that are going to affect our end yield. So I think that is a portion of a reason why a lot of our growers here do aggressively manage their picks. And I understand that part to it. But with this season, too, I'm very hesitant, like I think the rest of the guys have said, that, you know, with the growth we've had so far, it does worry me to make a picks application at this point in some of our fields. How do y'all consider insect pressure in making PGR decisions, or does that play a role at all? I can go first because I'm probably going to have the easiest answer. We rarely have enough insect pressure for that to factor in. Obviously, we still scout. So if we're seeing insects out there that we know are going to affect square retention, we become much more attentive to that growth of the plant over time. And if we're losing enough squares, we think we're going to have a response. And it's probably going to, you know, either change the rate we were going to apply anyway, or it might make an application a little bit sooner, particularly if the environment looks like, you know, we got a rain in the forecast or if we're irrigated. That's a good point. What about you, Tyson? I mean, I know y'all fight plant bugs probably worse than we do. Yeah, pressure, I think, is a factor. Fortunately, if we're watching that internode between the fourth and fifth node, that really kind of tells us what the horsepower of that plant is. You know, are those resources being shifted over into fruiting bodies or have we had an insect, you know, strip that off the plant? If I start to see those first position fruit gone from insect feeding, I'm absolutely going to get more aggressive, not only with picks, but with some of the insecticides like diamond to make sure that, you know, I'm not only can address those migrating adults, but I'm trying to limit the development of those plant bugs in that crop. But insect pressure is definitely a factor, but you know, that internet link does help kind of capture what we need to be looking at in my opinion. Very good points. It's kind of hard to go behind Tyson because I mean, we're such a similar area, but yeah, I totally agree with him. You know, if we start seeing, some of those squares pitch off and, you know, vegetative growth starting to, you know, take over rapidly. Yeah, we'll be a little more aggressive with our picks applications. And I will say, I mean, some of our earlier planted cotton here in Missouri, we're already finding plant bugs and seeing some of those issues in our early planted cotton, mainly from May 1st to about May 11th. I'll just say one more thing on that note. And for us, a lot of times when we have square loss, it can be more commonly due to environmental factors, so heat stress or water stress. So the same factors that cause us to lose squares are the factors that also are going to cause us to not worry about rank growth. The flip side of that is if you get that heat stress or water stress, you do lose a bunch of squares, and then you get rain. I've had that happen in drying cotton especially. It just takes off because there's just nothing, there's nothing on the plant to hold it back. You know, the fruit's gone, so we can still have issues with that. Well, guys, any closing points to make? Anything we didn't cover? I do want to add, I think this one went really well. I appreciate all of the speakers having their cameras on, but Guy Collins has like the men in black sunglasses on and he's like totally oblivious to any social cues whatsoever. Like I can't tell when to come in or when he's about to talk. I was going to say they look almost like a little bit like a Kmart version of Dale Earnhardt's glasses. Remember Dale Earnhardt used to walk with them glasses when he got out of the car? It looks like he bought them. A guy tried to buy them, but they're from Big Lots or something, so they're not quite right. That's exactly where I got them. That's exactly, you guessed exactly right. Sounds like you've been there and bought some yourself. And you know I live at Kmart, man. Come on now. 
All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Been a good conversation, a lot of good information. Hopefully it provides a little bit of just insight or some maybe decision-making tools for folks facing some of these issues this year. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cotton Incorporated. You can find us on the Plant Health Exchange site, the Focus on Cotton page there. You can find us on most of your podcast platforms. So, you know, we'd love for you to like and subscribe, leave a comment if you have any suggestions for things to cover. I'd like to thank Keith Edmiston for the music and thank you for listening.